So this combination diet, if followed rigorously, um, those participants slowed brain aging by seven and a half years wow. and reduced their risk of Alzheimer's by 53%. Those who followed the diet moderately mm-hmm. were able to slow brain aging by four and a half years. Like that's why I really wanted to ask you because majority of my audience is like very young yeah. and international students like coming from a different country to here in Canada yeah. to get studying colleges, university, to think about their grades, to have side job, to uh, to have a like, good lifestyle here, to yes. also like earn money to send some back, send some money back to their parents to support Aww. them, to also think about their future because they are new here in Canada, uh, they want to think about their future and I'm talking about this stuff is because I have really met a lot of students who are very young. And because of all these responsibilities, they are getting pressure on their minds. They are having mental fatigue. They are getting depression. Like, hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Conversation with Harpreet. This is your host of the show, Harpreet Singh. So, if you are just like getting joined with me or with my channel, let me tell you a little bit about the channel. On this channel, like I tried to bring brilliant guests, brilliant minds out there from Olympic medalists to like successful business owners, from doctors to scientists, from real estate brokers to psychotherapists, like all successful professionals. And the idea behind is that simple. I want to talk with them, want to pick their brains and also share that empowering and informative content with all of you so that it can help you to make your life a little bit much better and also help you to generate new ideas. So that was just the idea. And in last few weeks, I really like gotten a lot of support, a new comments, suddenly like got a lot of subscribers, like thank you so much for supporting the channel. And talking about like informative content and the education content, the guest I have today is a scientist herself. She is a neuroscientist and has a PhD with a background in neurobiology and neuroimaging. She's also like the author of book Biohack Your Brain. Let me, I would be honest, like this is one of the best books I have read so far this year. And this is a new concept I'm getting familiar now. So I know like there's so many things to learn about. So please help me in welcoming Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. Dr. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Harpreet, what a beautiful introduction. And first of all, I want to say congratulations on the success of your YouTube channel. It sounds like you have some uh, really bright minds coming on to help educate your community. And I am feeling very honored to be a guest on your show. So thank you so much. No, thank you so much. Like, I'm really grateful because this is a new thing. I would be honest, like this is first time I'm getting familiar with this concept. And I know like there are so many viewers like me who doesn't know like how we can biohack, biohack like our body, our brain, mm-hmm. like slow down our aging process. Like there's so many things to learn about from you today. Uh, well, I feel really honored to be here, number one. And number two, the fact that you're thinking about taking care of your brain health at a young age is so important. If I did not have two decades of knowledge being in this field, I wouldn't know it either because 
we don't we have a loved one with Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or somebody who has epilepsy or a brain tumor. But for the most part, we probably spend the first four or five decades of our life just going about our business. And it isn't until we get into our sixth, seventh, and eighth decade of life where all of a sudden the brain becomes really important. So I appreciate uh, being able to be here and Share some things that we can do now, whether we're in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, or if you have listeners who are in their 80s or 90s and want to really still live and have great health span and lifespan. Yeah, like you really mentioned this also in your book. Like, I just wanted to start with this question now. Like, yes, you said it's also good to start even if someone is in 50s, 60s, or 80s. So, what is the best age? to start thinking care of your brain? Like, is there any best age or any time you can start? Like, that's the best thing. You start now. I would say start yesterday, but that was that already happened. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I wrote this book, Biohack Your Brain, um, I really wrote it because it was a book that I wish I had when I was in my 20s. You know, the brain is going through this incredible sort of maturation process from before birth all the way until you reach about your mid-20s to 30s. That's when the brain becomes fully formed. You have all of the neural architecture there. Um, and maybe that's the time we kind of take it for granted the most when we're kids and we're playing sports and falling off of horses and playing football and you know, hitting our brains, you know, against one another and some of these contact and collision based sports. And, you know, where, you know, young kids are starting to smoke mm-hmm. and drink alcohol and you can kind of eat whatever you want, right? You don't really think about the foods that you're consuming and how they're impacting your brain health. So, you know, I think we spend a lot of our youth not really consciously aware of how our choices are impacting our brain function. Um, it takes somebody who, I mean, I'm a neuroscientist, but I've spent the last decade in a brain imaging center looking, what I would say, under the hood um, and really seeing what's going on in people's brains at various ages and trying to understand, okay, what are the things that we can do to help repair, restore, or optimize our brain health. And that's really why the book came to fruition. Mm -hmm. It came to fruition because I was impressed by the ability of some of the very simple dietary and lifestyle modifications that we can do every single day that can help improve blood flow to the brain, help stabilize the neural connections. And really when people are struggling with psychiatric issues, which many people are, you know, coming out of this global pandemic where we're all very stressed and that can exacerbate anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, post-traumatic stress, all of that impacts our brain. And there are things that we can do to help mitigate those symptoms. And when we do that, we, we feel happier, um, but it's also better for our long-term brain function. So yeah, but, but you think like you have seen so many scans of the brain and you have like mm. 20 plus years of experience. So I want to, I'm so, like, I really want to know about like, okay, so this, you're seeing scan of someone's like, who looks healthier, who yes. good, has a good muscle, is a, is, <laughs> has a peak body. Physically like, healthy. Physically healthy. Do mm-hmm. you still see some kind of 
symptoms or damage in their brain? Like how much that common is? Yeah, because how many people really look at the brain? We look at every other organ in the body. You break a bone, you go get an x-ray, right? But you hit your head and you go run out and get a brain scan. You know, most people wouldn't. I was just fortunate because I worked in a psychiatric clinic and we used brain imaging as a way to help target and treat complex psychiatric disorders. So that's why I got into the brain imaging field and um, I helped my mentor sort of pull together his database. By the time I left the clinic, we had over 130,000 brain spec scans. So I've, I've had the benefit of seeing a lot of people's brains and we even true, truly healthy brain look like. A healthy brain looks what we say well perfused. There's a lot of good blood flow to the brain. And why is that important? Most people don't know we have 400 miles of uh, blood vessels that are in our brain. A lot of times we, we hear about, you know, the brain 75% water. We hear that the brain 60% fat, but people also don't give that incredible statistic that there's all of this vasculature there and the habits that we have each day. We want to make sure we're supporting really healthy perfusion and blood flow to the brain. That's why exercise is so important, right? You're, um, you want to think about aerobic exercise. So you're working the heart, but you're also getting oxygen and nutrients and blood flow to the brain. So when we're scanning brains, and I'm getting to your question, we're scanning brains. One of the things we're looking at is what is the blood flow like? You know, what areas of the brain have low blood flow? And there's many reasons why a brain can have low blood flow. It can be exposure to toxic substances, um, toxic mold, uh, alcohol, you know, smoking marijuana, you could have had head injuries, um, you, you know, you could have gone through chemotherapy and have what we call chemo brain, you know, because that has an impact on blood flow. You could have had a stroke, you could have degenerative processes happening. So, so needless to say, a lot of times when we scan a brain, if it's somebody who, usually the young brains should look beautifully perfused, but as people get into their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and just have life experiences, um, we start to see these deficits in perfusion. And people don't even realize having excess weight on your body decreases blood flow to the brain. So just being overweight or obese is a chronic inflammatory condition that can cause uh, changes in the vasculature, and then you have low blood flow. If you have high, chronic hypertension, you can have low blood flow. So, you know, I, I talk about this as one of the themes in the book about the importance of cerebral perfusion. Um, and this is again, why exercise is such an important part of keeping our brains healthy. Not only does yeah. Does it help improve blood flow, but it also helps to grow new neurons in a very specific region of the brain called the hippocampus, which is critical to learning and memory. Um, so best, so what's the like best way to have a good blood flow in our brain? Like have some, do some exercise daily, like, or that's the best of way, or there's some of the other ways as well. Yeah, no, there's many ways that you can pr improve perfusion. Um, well, first of all, you want to make sure that you have a healthy blood pressure. So if you do not have healthy blood pressure, if you have hypertension, you want to get that corrected. Um, and sometimes people don't even realize drinking enough water 
is really critical to keeping uh, your blood flow healthy. So you want to make sure you get um, your daily quote, quota of water in. And I talk about this in the book, men should be drinking 3.7 liters of fluids per day. Women, that's 125 ounces. Women should be drinking 2.7 liters of fluids per day. So that's about 90 ounces. And when I talk about that, fluids can be water, but it can also be from hydrating fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. But when we break it down, an easier way to think about it, so that's sort of the standard recommendation for people. I also say you can take your body weight, divide it by two, and that's how much you should be drinking in ounces of fluids each day. And I, I say water because we say, you know, if the brain's 75% water, it's not 75% coffee, tea, yeah, diet yeah. soda, <laughs> vitamin infused water. The, the pure water is great. So in getting to that equation, if you weigh 200 pounds, divide that by two, that's 100. That person would want to drink 100 ounces of water. The and body weight you're talking here is in pounds or in kg pounds, eh? Pounds. pounds yeah, pounds. Good, good point. <laughs> so if I'm talking about pounds, uh, so if you weigh 200 pounds, we divide that by two, that's 100. You yeah. want to have 100 ounces mm -hmm. um, of water each day, which is 50 ounces, about 1.5 liters. So I try to make it simple for people. It'd be like getting two 1.5 liter bottles of water, but you know, I prefer people either drink their water, like a purified filtered water or uh, um, water in glass bottles because we don't want the plastics. You know, the plastics that the water comes in can leach bisphenol A, BPA. So we want to really make sure if we're having our water and try to get it from the clean sources. I'm just amazed, like uh, you're saying like 3.7 liters at least for men, 2.7 liters for women. If it's, it, I will it, tell, it's yeah. a lot, it's a it's lot of lot. fluid. Yeah. When I would teach these brain directed weight loss groups, so I taught people how to get brain healthy. The very first thing I had people do was track how much water they drink each day and to get to the appropriate quota. Mm -hmm. and, and why is this important? Most people don't realize that we lose about 1.8 liters of fluids per day, just through respiration, right? Our breath, breathing, our urination, our perspiration. So to be really healthy, we wanna keep drinking water and you wanna do it throughout the day. W one of the beauties of drinking water is that if you're trying to stay lean or lose weight, the more fluid, sometimes people mistake the uh, hunger for thirst. So when you're drinking the water, you actually may end up consuming less food, which is good, taking in less calories because you're making sure you're well hydrated. Um, do you drink your, do you drink enough water per day? No, not, not like 3.7 <laughs> liters. So I'm going to definitely tax my, my glass. <laughs> I also have a glass. Good. You said tax your water. So tax some, just regular water, also fluids coming from vegetables and as well, like can we also tag that? 20%. So you can take that amount that you need to drink and around 20% can come from the hydrating fruits and vegetables. So mm -hmm. your watermelons, your citrus. I, I do have watermelon and citrus fruit. I mean, I am a fruit person. Uh, the fresh squeezed green juices, 
You can get that through decaffeinated teas, herbal teas, um, all of your vegetables. So all of that uh, not only is great for hydration, but then you're getting fiber and micronutrients and phytonutrients. So yeah, it's just a smart, what it is is a smart strategy to help yeah. supporting your long-term brain health and your cells. Water is what helps, um, you know, clear waste from our cells. So we want that it helps mm -hmm. the cells to continue to be metabolically active. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think people think about their hydration status as much as they should. So. No, I completely agree with that. I, well, I wasn't thinking about that before. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's yes. why that's why when you do water, um, yeah. and you know, in the book, I mean, I talk about fresh squeezed juices. I do yes. fresh juices daily. So when I'm working on meeting my hydration uh, quotient, I always wake up right. So you know, you're sleeping for eight hours, nine hours, and your body isn't you know a dehydrated dehydrated state when you wake up. So the first thing you should do, I have one eight ounce glass of pure water. Then I do a second eight ounce glass and I squeeze a little bit of lemon, but that's because we have lemon trees. So it's really easy for me to do that. And then I'll have a 16 ounce green juice and I do just whatever greens I have, the celery, cucumber, kale, I might throw in the pear uh, and a little beet. And then right there, you know, I've already gotten what, 32 ounces that's just starting my day and it's only like just like starting your day to just walk up and, and that's uh, yeah you know most day. most people start their day with a cup of coffee yeah which yeah. you know boosts your cortisol right and your okay so it keeps you alert but i would say start with the water first and then if you really need your caffeine then do your caffeine so i feel like having a glass of water is a way to nurture your brain and your body yeah and most people don't realize just a one to two percent drop in hydration can cause brain fog. So when, wow. you know, I, I <laughs> it's after working with so many people helping to restore their health and their brain health, this is just one of those easy things that you yeah. can do. And I promise if you start tracking it, you'll realize when you're if, cause I carry water with me everywhere. And I realize when I start to get dehydrated, my mouth gets dry and I'm like, Oh, you know, I need to get water. Mm -hmm. So it, it'll make you more conscious. Mm -hmm. I read in the book also, like you mentioned, there were three incidents happened with you. Like you were oh, dehydrated yeah. and you almost fainted in front of the crowd. I, I did. Yeah, no, I actually had a real problem with that. I forgot that I wrote about that in the book. I, <laughs> I fainted in some really prominent places, um, you yeah. know, giving a presentation in front of the Department of Neurosurgery at Cedars. Uh, I did not realize this was back in my 20s, 20s, early 30s. I did not realize I wasn't drinking water at all. I'm talking no water. I would just do my green juices. I knew those were uh, important, yeah. but I really didn't realize, especially when we're putting ourselves into a sort of more heightened, stressful Height. state. Mm -hmm. So if we're giving a presentation, um, you know, we have to be on our A game. You want your body yeah. to be well fueled. Uh, and really now I don't do any presentation without having a green juice, water, anything, mm -hmm. because I'm also, I also know I'm going to be mentally sharper. 
you yeah there's so many types of water like like we are talking about water like let me ask this question sure in canada like well me and most of my friends just like to drink tap water my uh -huh. friend there's also one one of my friend like who love to drink bottle water yeah and some are drinking like sparkling sparkling water like yeah. is there any difference or it's just water and we can just crack it as a regular water well, I, I look at things on a continuum and I'm really sort of mindful of this when I'm talking about it. First of all, I just, I want you to get water in. So if you are, so just drink water. If you need to get it from the tap, if you need to get it from the bottle, if you need to get it sparkling, let's get the fluids in your body. Then you go, well, what's the healthiest choice that I can make? Um, I actually think the more that I'm learning about the impact of plastics uh, and water that's been in a plastic bottle and maybe has been yeah. heated, you know, as it's getting yeah. transported from point A to point B, um, those plastics are not really great for your health. And so for me personally, I get it from our tap that has a filter. So I use a pro pure mm -hmm. filter and I filter all of our water, whether it's something I'm drinking or it's in our shower. So I think drinking filtered water is great. Um, you know, drink it in bottled water if, if that's the way you prefer it. But yeah. I would, I would advise thinking about switching. It's better for our environment, right? Less plastics. Um, mm -hmm. And we're, re we think about it a lot here in Los Angeles. My husband is a surfer and loves the ocean and we recycle. So we're really mindful about even the use of plastics. Um, sparkling water you know i know a lot of people enjoy that that's fine for a treat sometimes i tell people it's like if you're taking the carbonation in you know that's that could be a little more acidic to the system so i would recommend the pure clean tap water mm -hmm. and i talk about in the book you can find out depending on where you live how clean your water is mm -hmm. i think that's a really important question but if you get a, a filter, you're good to go. So I would say filtered water or water that has a little um, squeeze of a lemon, lime, some kind of citrus that is turns slightly alkaline when it hits the stomach. So yes, it's acidic, you know, a lemon is acidic, but that sort of alkalinity is really good for cellular health. Mm -hmm. We know that, you know, vegetables can make the pH of the blood slightly more alkaline really the body is always buffering things. Um, but we take in sort of the standard American diet. We're taking in more foods and things that are acidic to our system, meats and proteins and sugars. So balancing that by having the greens and having the water with a little bit of lemon is I think the mm -hmm. smartest strategy. Now I got it. And we talked about the water. I want to start a I want to talk about the other thing, which is you mentioned early of the conversation, like many of us prefer to work on the physical appearance. Like we go to gym, we go do exercises, we drink water, do exercises and everything. I want to ask you, like, let's say we doesn't take any step to start taking care of our brain, like in the wrong, in the wrong run, what type of damage can it cause to us? Like, so it, yeah. that's that's a really good question the reason why <laughs> there's so many reasons why i wrote the book it's almost i, I wrote the book because i've learned so much and i'm like i don't want 
to be the only one who knows this. I think it's really important and people would appreciate the knowledge. So when our brain reaches full maturity, again, around the age of 25, 30, our brain slowly begins to lose neurons over time to the tune of about 85,000. Now our brains have 86 billion neurons, (laughs) you know, that can make over a hundred trillion connections. Each single neuron can make connections with 10,000 other, between 10 to 40,000 other neurons. I mean, it's really quite extraordinary. So when you look at 86,000 cells lost per day, it's really, it's not a lot, but over the course of time, what ends up happening is our brain starts to shrink in volume mm-hmm. starting at age 40, and it shrinks about 5% per decade. So this is why you know we start seeing degenerative diseases in mm-hmm. people in their sixth and seventh and eighth decade of life. Um, you know, by the time people reach 65, one out of 10 people could be diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So it is something that people need to be mindful of. And when we think about degenerative diseases, they start in the brain 15 to 20 years before somebody has a clinical symptom because they're starting at the cellular level. This is why, so if you're talking to me about how to prevent degenerative diseases, um, the main sort of lifestyle risk factors, we call them modifiable risk factors because they're things that you can do right now to change them. One is midlife obesity, again, because I talked Mm -hmm. about obesity being inflammatory to the brain. Um, Chronic inflammation leads to all kinds of diseases, right? Not just neurodegenerative, but cancers, um, diabetes. Number two is midlife uh, type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. So if you have blood sugar regulation problems, which you know, in the United States, 25 million people have diabetes, 85 million are pre-diabetic. So if you think about that, if there's 300 million people in the US, a third of us have blood sugar regulation issues. Um, That is a disaster for your brain health because we need Mm -hmm. uh, the glucose for fuel. Uh, The brain is the most energetically, it requires the most energy to function, right? It's 2% of our body weight, but utilizes 20%, right? Of our our oxygen and our blood. So we want to make sure that we keep our brain well fueled. Okay. So we've got obesity, midlife diabetes, midlife hypertension. So I talked about that. Um, That can accelerate your brain aging. Then there's depression. So treating, if you don't treat a psychiatric issue, um, it can actually lead to later life Alzheimer's disease, uh, social isolation, which I think we all now appreciate what social isolation means more than ever. Uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, everybody was out and about when people get older, they, they retire and they tend to isolate the isolation can lead to depression. Depression can be an inflammatory state in the brain. That inflammatory state, if not corrected, can accelerate brain aging, right? Um, what else? Oh, cognitive inactivity. Yeah. So that's why we want to keep learning throughout life, not just when we're in school, but you know, when we're working in our job after we've retired. Um, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite stories, and I share this. Do you know the actress Betty White? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, Betty White. I, we all we all know Betty yeah. White. So she's 
just darling. Um, I see her, she comes in and out of my building. So I think she's friends with somebody who lives there and she's gorgeous. She's 99 years old. And I read an, I read an interview she did. I think it was in people magazine and somebody said, you know, what's your secret to health or you know, what are you sort of celebrating? And she's number one, she talked about being optimistic and happy and the importance of like, just not sweating the small stuff. But the other thing is she had thanked her agent for continuing to book her jobs. So at 99 years old, she is still memorizing scripts to get work oh. in television. And, you know, talk about somebody who's really embracing um, cognitive activity and making sure there's lifelong learning and she's having to rehearse and memorize scripts. So, I look at her as quite inspirational to go, this woman is making sure she's still working. She's still learning. She's memorizing. She's working her brain. So when we talk about um, continuing to learn, you can do that through reading, reading books. I mean, actually a very small percentage of people read books and taking the time to really start ingesting the knowledge through books is an extraordinary way to keep your brain sharp, like you're doing, right? You're learning, hey, you just picked up a brain book yeah. and now it's inspired you to think about taking better care of your brain and your brain. Because what, you know, I was telling you how the brain shrinks as we age, but the way to maintain its function is this concept we call neuroplasticity. It's the ability of that sort of single neuron I told you that can make 10,000 connections or 15,000 connections. It's just the ability to sprout and make um, new connections with the neighbors. And I have a concept of this because I was a neurobiologist. So I used to study uh, disease at the level of the single cell. And I could watch and I saw what neuroplasticity was in a dish and it was extraordinary. Like I would come in and see these neurons growing and making connections with their neighbors. And I was like, whoa, this is wild. And I don't know if people have that concept, right? Unless you've actually seen it and seen what it looks like, but it is extraordinary. It happens and it happens when we keep learning. So other thing is physical activity, you know, some sort of circling back Mm -hmm. the importance Mm -hmm. of continuing to move and vary your movements, right? So it could be walking, running, jogging, swimming, bicycling, um, lifting weights, but it's also just about moving because as people get older, Mm -hmm. they slow down and we don't want you to slow down. We want you to find your way of being able to stay active. And you said like people slow down, like when they get older, is that like one of the main reasons is that like they losing the 80,000, 85,000 neurons every day. So what would, what would be the way like, can we generate new neurons replacing those or no, like it's not in our hands? It is. It, so wonderful. it's a good, it's a great question to ask. And I talk about this in the book. So the brain does have a finite number of neurons, but there's a very specific region of the brain, which we can, can which we can continue to grow new neurons. And that's in the hippocampus, mm-hmm. taking all of the information that we learn during the day And while we sleep, it consolidates it into what we call long-term memory. If this structure starts to get smaller as we age, 
that's when we'll start to see um, issues with our memory. And other reasons why you have issues with memory are that um, there's a slowing in the sort of the way the neurons are communicating with one another. And that can just happen because of a lifetime of chronic inflammation or drinking excess alcohol or, I mean, all of the things that I talk about that are not great for our long-term brain health. That's why making sure you manage your weight, making sure you manage your diabetes, uh, diabetes and blood sugar levels, making sure that you don't have hypertension. Yeah. All of those are really critical to just preserving um, the vasculature and making sure you can nourish your cells. That's the key. That's really the key. That it's, it's actually not that hard, but you know, when you start to look at the number of people that struggle with those issues, I mean, two thirds of Americans are overweight or obese, mm. right? A third of them have diabetes. You know, you've got 75 million with hypertension. You've got a billion people still smoking around the world and cigarette smoke has 4,000 toxic chemicals. So it's, it's taking control of the things that you can control. And then yes, Hey, you know what? We all go through the aging process, but I think we can do it gracefully. And again, just find your favorite centenarian who's still living. Um, you know, we do have examples of them. I had one in my own family. Uh, so, and I think the reason why I get very excited about teaching people about the brain is I'm so inspired. I've seen it change. I've seen it change with people at any age. I've seen the ability to increase blood flow. Um, and we, you know, we talked about it through um, daily lifestyle practices. You can do it through supplements. You know, there's certain supplements that'll help to uh, expand your blood vessels. It's called yeah. uh, vasodilation. And I go into some of those in the book. And we have, we actually have tools, um, something called hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which we've used in the clinical setting for people who have traumatic brain injuries. Um, that can help revascularize the brain. So that's what I, I wrote the book because I actually want to give people hope. Like there's a lot that we can do. And, you know, I also talked in the book, my father had Parkinson's. So not only have I seen people with degenerative disorders that come into the clinic or psychiatric disorders. So uh, yeah, like I felt the journey, like you wrote about your father in the book, like I really felt that like how, when, like how you started taking action and still like he'll, even when he was so whole, like he was still shopping a good food, healthy food, like that yeah. was so inspiring. Oh, thank you. I, I will tell you it. Uh, you know, my dad's story is unique. So we didn't have, we don't have Parkinson's in our family. There's no genetic predisposition, yeah. but he was a combat helicopter pilot in Vietnam and probably exposed to Agent Orange, then all kinds of exhaust, right, that you're exposed to. And at the same time, he was a firefighter. So he held the two jobs concurrently and they're exposed to a lot of chemicals. So I feel his Parkinson's was brought on by uh, environmental exposures. He lived a very clean life, six foot four, very lean, fit, played basketball, just loved life. And he never looked at Parkinson's in a, a bad way. My dad was so... Um, optimistic 
and happy and has always eaten healthy his whole life. And he just continued to do that. It's like he didn't let it slow him down. I'm sure like he was such an inspiration for you. Like, Oh, positive. Talk about positive thinking. I remember my father told me when he, when he was in Vietnam, I mean, here he's this chopper pilot flying into the jungles, right? Dropping people off, picking people up, getting shot at left and right. And he always said he, he never feared death. He was only worried about how it would impact his parents. So my dad just has this really unique philosophy of life. Um, and me being his child, I kind of have the same feeling. Like I don't, I don't worry about things. I just, I let life unfold. I control the things I can. I let the things go that I cannot control. You know, I can't, I can't control the pandemic. I can't control the coronavirus, but I can control my own life, how I respond to it. And all of those, those are sort of the greater gifts you think about in life. Um, you know, we, we do the best we can and it's about living our most joyful, happy, productive life. And, you know, I want to live a life like Betty White still be booking jobs at 99 and winning awards. I feel like that is possible for everyone. Look at Stephen Hawking for crying out loud, right? Talk about a man who lived an extraordinary life despite limitations. So, and this is where the brain gets really fascinating. You know, how, how do you take a perceived limitation, whether it's a degenerative disease, some kind of diagnosis and turn it around into the positive and still find your ability to connect to your passions, your joy, and just enjoy and be thankful for every minute of life. Like I'm thankful to be here right now. This is, this is beautiful. It's that living in the present moment and not, not giving into fear. So such amazing you said like we should control things like which we can control right like and you also shared in the beginning in the conversation like these are the foods that are like not helpful not (laughs) good for your brain alcohol sparkling water please tell me about some foods that are really helpful for us like that can we can just add in our diet daily diet like what type what are some of the foods can Mm -hmm. we add in our diet Mm -hmm. Okay. I, this is a, this is a fun one. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people know the basics, right? I'm going to go into some of the fruits and vegetables that are the superstars of the brain health world. Um, so blueberries, I, I really think any kind of berries, right? Blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, berries are the superstars for your brain. They are loaded with antioxidants and Harvard did a 20-year women. I think they were around the age of 70, uh, and they looked at the impact of having the di- the strawberries and the blueberries, and they found that those who did it over the those who had two to three servings over the course of the 20-year period slowed their cognitive decline by two and a half years. So the key there is consistency over time. Mm -hmm. So berries have been found to be one of the premier foods that you can include into your diet on a daily basis that will preserve your long-term brain health. And really it's because of the antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
you get your berries in, you want your green leafy vegetables. Those are number two on the list. And those are your kale, your spinach. Uh, you want your cruciferous vegetables, your broccoli. Uh, again, all of those are loaded with antioxidants. So those are sort of the two prime foods. Then you get into the nuts and seeds. You've got walnuts, which are a brain superfood. You want to have those good unsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. Um, so besides the nuts and seeds, you want the omega-3 fatty acids from the marine fish. So if you can have one serving of a fatty fish, like a salmon, you can have a tuna, a mackerel, that would be really wise. The omega-3 fatty acids help to preserve brain volume. And this has been shown with neuroimaging and it can actually help preserve brain volume and structures like the hippocampus, mm -hmm. um, posterior mm -hmm. cingulate cortex, some of these areas that have been found to be impacted as we age and can impact our memory and cognitive function. So, okay, Before we've got berries, like we've got our green tea is mm -hmm. really smart. So we were talking about hydrating fluids, the green tea, um, is loaded with antioxidants and uh, cacao. So having the dark chocolate, you want to have it 70 to 80% or higher, which means it's not going to be loaded with the sugar and fat that you tend to have in milk chocolate, but a little bit of that dark chocolate or cacao powder um, loaded with flavanols. Again, those cross the blood brain barrier so they can help protect the neurons and they also can help with cognition and they can help improve blood flow to the brain. So they act as a vasodilator. So we were talking about that earlier. I have people who do a little bit of cacao powder every day in a smoothie. I do that myself. Um, and it's helped to lower people's blood pressure. So I think we've got some of the, some of the good ones, right? Green leafy vegetables, berries, yes, yes, salmon, walnuts, but you can do almonds, cashews, try to do raw. Don't, yeah. don't do the ones that have the, the, uh, the artificial flavorings. I mean, the things that really um, take you down the bad pathway, it's like the trans fats and the packaged foods, the sugars, you want to keep mm -hmm. your sugars low. One of the important points was tracking how much sugar that you consume each day. I had them do that for a week. The American Heart Association recommends that women have no more than 25 grams of sugar per day, men, 35 yeah. grams of sugar That's per day. That's how much tablespoon? Yeah, I, table, uh, I so, one um, tablespoon is 12 grams something. Is one tablespoon? I, I actually yeah. knew the tablespoons at one. J just track yeah, your grams. Yeah. We can, we can, I can actually look that up. So when you're, you know, buying your foods, you know, one of the rules that I had is if it has more than five grams of sugar. Five grams of sugar. Wow. Most people are consuming about 70 to 90 grams of sugar per day. Oof. So Three times. if your diet is loaded with more fruits and vegetables and, you know, healthy fats and, you know, a serving of grain, you know, a serving of a plant-based dairy, you want to keep you know, you want to keep the refined grains down. You can have the whole grains. The whole grains are great. You know, they're good. They're loaded with fiber and all kinds of nutrients, but sometimes people overconsume those. So just want to be smart about uh, how much you're taking in. So 
fascinated. Like I'm, I'm actually like also fascinated about the blueberries. Like you have a consistent blueberries, so you can slow down your age like for two, two and, and a half hours. years. The 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 cooler statistic that I love. So I talk about this in the book. Um, I used to teach the clients in our clinic how to do the Mediterranean diet. So the Mediterranean Mediterranean style diet, which can be whole food, plant based. Um, it's got, you know, they preferably want you to have fish. Mm. Um, you are allowed to have lean meats as your protein source, but a lot of times, sometimes people have too many of the red meats and those can be inflammatory in the body. So when we're talking about brain health, we want to try to limit those or switch over to more of the marine based, um, uh, fish, right. To help support your, uh, your brain health is protein sources and trying to shift people into doing legumes, right. Beans are an extraordinary source of protein. Mm. Oh, wait. Okay. What was my, I was actually on a point and then I forgot, I forgot what was our question. No, I was, sugar? was it a sugar? I was sharing the fact, like, I'm just amazed about blueberries. Like, oh, Mediterranean thinking, diet. Uh, that's what I was going for. So talking about slowing brain aging, mm -hmm. um, there was a study done out of Rush University uh, by Martha Clark Morris and her colleagues. They studied 960 older individuals from their dietary habits from 1997 to 2014. And she taught them how to do a combination of the Mediterranean diet Mm -hmm. And the DASH diet, was the, which is the dietary approaches to slow, stop hypertension. So this combination diet, if followed rigorously, um, those participants slowed brain aging by seven and a half years wow. and reduced their risk of Alzheimer's by 53%. Those who followed the diet moderately mm -hmm. were able to slow brain aging by four and a half years and reduce the risk of Alzheimer's by 35%. In my mind, we always, we've always known uh, the Mediterranean diet is great for yeah. people who have metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease. But when we're thinking about slowing down brain aging, adopting this Mediterranean style diet that is whole food, plant-based, right? Minimize the animal proteins. You're minimizing the sugar. You're getting more of the quality um, micronutrients, macronutrients, mm -hmm. antioxidants. It's something that I would really encourage people mm -hmm. to explore if they really want to explore, I would just say a dietary pattern that could be very, very supportive for their long-term brain health. Wow. Like Kristen, so we talk about food, we talk about water, daily activity, sugar, diet, like so much plant-based. I just mm -hmm. want to talk about now sleep. The yes. idea behind like, because this is one of the main topics I really want to cover today. The idea okay. behind to getting more hours of, uh, to get the more work done. And because I'm taking myself as an example, if I have, if <laughs> you're I have an outlier right now, <laughs> I, I just want to learn from you because if I have some big project coming up or I have to publish some videos so that I have to edit, I always prefer to like take some hours from my sleep hours like half an hour every day so that can give me like four hours a week so and the motivation behind that was like because whenever we look on internet we always find out 
oh this successful entrepreneur like is sleeping mm-hmm. four hours a day this mm-hmm. successful politician is only like four sleeping four and five hours a day and he's running the country now how much this is practical like because i try to do that for weeks two weeks then my brain says oh no like you have to sleep at least 10 hours now like <laughs> You, well, you, don't, you don't have to sleep 10 hours. You can sleep seven, you know, seven hours. There was just a new study that was published. Um, the white, it was the Whitehall 2 study and close to 8,000 participants. And they studied people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. So over the course of 25 years and studied their sleep habits, they found those who slept less than six hours a night had a 30% increased risk of dementia. So now I'm going to teach you why that is. (laughs) One of the most, there are so many important things that happen when we sleep just from a restorative perspective, but from a brain health perspective, number one, sleep is the time when we take all of those things that we've learned during the day and what I call consolidate them into our long-term memory storage. So if you want to have a sharp brain and remember things, you want to get um, We have recently learned, I mean, it really started coming out in 2015 about the glymphatic system. So it's this system that's within the brain that helps to clear out abnormally folded proteins. It's like our, helps us to get rid of anything in our brain that we need to. Um, And it works more efficiently during sleep. So it's able to clear away these proteins, uh, the beta amyloid proteins that can accumulate over time and lead to Alzheimer's. You want to think about, you know, it's just like you get up every morning and take a shower um, just to get clean. (laughs) Well, when you sleep, you're getting that same cleaning and you really want to get the, the, at least the minimum of seven hours of sleep to help with that brainwash. And number three, sleep is a time when we work through the emotional challenges that we have during the day. Those people that get, you know, less than six hours of sleep, the interrupted sleep, Um, tend to have more issues with anxiety and post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder. So you want to give your brain a chance to just work through it naturally Mm. while you sleep. So for all of those reasons, it's the continued sleep that's the most important. And as people get older, I mean, 50 to 70 million people have sleep disorders. Insomnia Mm -hmm. is one of the number one reasons why people have issues. Why, why do people have insomnia? Cause they're stressed. <laughs> um, why do I people, you know, there's other sleep related issues that can happen. For example, some people have sleep apnea, which is a disordered breathing where, um, people just stop breathing hundreds of times throughout the night. If that doesn't get treated, that can double your risk for Alzheimer's. So mm. Sleep is really important. Now you're unique because you have two children under the age of two. And so, you know, in many respects, you're- Okay, I want to clarify here, like two kittens. And two kittens. You have two kittens. Yes, yes. I- I'm oh. not married. Oh, I thought you would say you have two oh, children. Oh, these are your kittens? kittens. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I don't have any children yet. Like I'm not Okay, married. I was like, I For some reason, I thought you would say you had two children. You have two kittens. Okay, you know children. what? <laughs> well, and you're young. I mean, I I will tell you before I got into my field, I used to be up at 
10, 11, 12 o'clock at night in college, I would be up all night. I mean, I broke every rule that I'm teaching you about now. Um, You know, I would eat late at night. You know, it's never great to eat late at night. That can disrupt your sleep. I mean, your food's traveling through your digestive system. And sometimes people wake up because Mm -hmm. they've eaten at eight o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. And then as their food is being processed through their digestive system, they're waking up. So, you know, that's why learning about all the great sleep hacks, you know, not having caffeine after 3 Mm -hmm. p.m. Because that one cup of coffee you're having at three um, can still be active in your system for six to eight hours. So, but in your case, it sounds like you're very excited and you're getting less amount of sleep because you're sort of excited about things that you want to get done. And the question that I ask people is when you wake up in the morning, do you wake up with energy or Mm -hmm. do you need to go and grab that caffeine to keep you going? If you need to wake up and grab your caffeine to kind of perk you up and get you going, then you're not getting the kind of restorative sleep that I would want you to get. Um, And again, of course, we're going to have those days or you're going to have the show. I mean, are you sleeping less than six hours per night? Uh, most like, yeah, like most of times. Okay. Well, maybe you no, want to try to sleep now seven hours, like from today onwards, I'm going to try to yeah. be much more productive in those remaining 17 hours and sleep seven hours a day. It's a good, it's a smart strategy to get used to. Trust me. I mean, when I was working in the laboratory, I'd be in the lab at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, you know, we pull all nighters. It's just, you know, with age comes wisdom. (laughs) Oh, I actually need that sleep. It's really important. And, you know, for me, you know, my father died with a neurodegenerative disease in his seventies and my mom died, uh, Waldenstrom's lymphoma at 70. So I also take this very seriously. Like I want to do everything I can to take the best care of my health that I can. So I don't have to, you know, struggle with these things when I get older. And because I've been in a clinical setting and seen so many people struggle, Mm -hmm. and I've seen them struggle at very young ages, as well as old. uh, It's a reason why I get excited about people making these changes. A small change that you make today, even a small change in your diet, if the only thing you do from this conversation today is drink the appropriate amount of water for your body so your cells can function more efficiently and have a cup of blueberries or some cup Mm -hmm. of berries daily, you're probably ahead of most people. If you're going to add in more omega-3 fatty acids, your brain is going to love you. And I tell people, if you don't know if you're consuming enough, you can get your omega-3 fatty acid levels tested. Mm -hmm. So there's so many, and I go into a lot of the things that yeah, yeah. we've done in the clinical setting in the book, the different supplements, the different strategies you can use, the different tests that you can take. But I think the bigger message is just start thinking about your brain health now. Don't, you know, a, a dear friend of mine called me the other day. His 78-year-old mother is now struggling with memory issues and she's getting lost more often. And he was asking what she should do. And I said, does she see her doctor every year? And he said, no. So I'm like, she doesn't even have a general practitioner who she sees. And I, I realize a lot of people just 
don't even do annual health assessments mm -hmm. to know what's going on in their body. And, you know, people ask me, when should I start thinking about my brain health? You know, at the age of 40, just start getting annual cognitive assessments. You know, you know, if you have a family member, if you know Alzheimer's or Parkinson's runs in your family, just, you know, see your practitioner, befriend a neurologist, you know, go in and visit and have a very basic cognitive test done. You can do a computerized tests. There's verbal tests and just, you can mark, mark it over time. We always say you, you can't change what you don't measure. And I think there's a lot of people, actually, I think there's a lot of people are becoming more conscious mm -hmm. about their brain health. Mm -hmm. Um, from your perspective as, you know, a young entrepreneur and you're a go-getter. I mean, I've worked with CEOs who want to optimize their brain. So this isn't about just preventing, you know, degenerative processes from happening. It's actually, how do we up-level our brain? How do I take it to the next level? And you can look at your brain health from that perspective as well. What is so like, so three things I'm gonna bring with me from this interview is like, oh, I'm excited. a glass of water okay. in the morning. Many glasses. Blue, many glasses after that. <laughs> okay, but you're, but that's gonna be what you're gonna do first thing. Yeah. I love it. Have a blueberries in my diet. Yes. And you mentioned about fatty acid, like, can we get that from the vegetarian diet? Like I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah I, I, I appreciate that. I don't eat meat either. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm with you on that. But I, I'm pescatarian. So I've seen, you know, the fish is really important. Yes. You can get a vegan supplement, vegan mm -hmm. EPA, DHA. So I do a supplement from Vimergy. Okay. Um, so I do that. Plus, you know, You've got flax seeds, chia seeds, yes, almonds, yeah. walnuts, um, spirulina. So what you can do is just make sure you get enough of that into your diet. And that's mm -hmm. the smart strategy. And this is where a smoothie can be really easy to start kind of incorporating some of these things. Like mm -hmm. I'll do, uh, before I do a workout, mm -hmm. I might do a, it's, a, it's actually a very small smoothie, but I do a half a banana uh, a third of a cup of oat milk, a third of a cup of water, and then I'll put the cacao powder in a teaspoon. Mm -hmm. I'll do a teaspoon of, actually have a layered superfood like mushrooms. So I do a reishi, lion's mane, chaga mushroom. Um, and then you could put flax seeds in there. You can put chia seeds in there. You can throw some blueberries in there. And it's just an easy way to get oh, all of that in. You could do that in the morning. And again, my smoothie, because I'm, I don't like to drink a lot of my calories and those can become calorically dense if you put too much mm -hmm. of the oat milk. I mean, that does have sugar, um, the banana, but it's just the right amount for me. And I can get all these good things in and get them in every day. Yes. And that's the key is finding ways to get some, some more of these brain healthy foods into your diet every day, and then reduce the foods that are inflammatory, reduce the sugars. Mm. I mean, another thing you can do, and I did these in my weight loss groups, again, talking about don't drink your calories, just everything you drink, make it water or have it be the green juice or herbal tea or you know, a decaffeinated tea and then nothing else and see how you do. You'll probably lose 20 pounds because 
people actually put on weight because of the, you know, the frappuccinos and the things that they drink. They don't even think about that. Well, and pack everything like you're getting inside. That's also. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Yeah, I in the end, like I want to talk about one of the most important things because most of my audience is international students in Canada. These are the people, uh, young. I people. love Canada. I love yeah. Canada. <laughs> like this is a amazing country for us. Like for I was an international student myself. Now I'm a full time worker. So, and many of my audience is like from 18 years old, 19 years old, like up to 24 years old. This is the best time to start taking care of your brain. Yeah. I, I, you are actually, if this is your audience, mm -hmm. this is spectacular because these, I was not doing any of the things I'm talking about in my book right now. I was doing none of them at your age. I was not drinking water. I was staying up yeah. all night purposefully because I was having too much fun. Um, drinking, you know, having alcohol, of course, because I was in college, um, eating bowls of cereal at night and cookie dough. I mean, I did everything wrong. <laughs> so. no, no, you're definitely right. Like, that's why I really wanted to ask you because majority of my audience is like very young. Yeah. And international students like coming from a different country to here in Canada yeah. to get studying colleges, university, to think about their grades, to have side job, to uh, to have a like good lifestyle here, to yes. also like earn money to send some back, send some money back to their parents to support Aww. them, to also think about the future because they are new here in Canada. Uh, they want to think about their future and i'm talking about this stuff is because i have really met a lot of students who are very young and because of all these responsibilities yeah they are getting pressure on their minds they are having mental fatigue they are getting depression like i had made one video with the psychotherapist and she mentioned like how international students can help themselves with the depression but yeah. I have so, so many responses from the students. Like they really needed that. Yes. And that's it's a lot of like pressure. Yeah. A, that is, that is so much pressure, pressure to help take care of the family, pressure mm -hmm. to perform at school. You're in a new country, right? So this is not where your family is. Yeah. I and mean, that is, it's, it's an extraordinary amount of pressure, which I, I can really um empathize with so what would you say if you are young if you are young you have your young mind and you are dealing with so much worry yeah what you would say like what can they do in their lifestyle because this is uh -huh. only small period just one year or two years like because your education is almost about two years of education after yeah. that you start getting a little loose but what can they do in those two years like so that they can deal with this type of anxiety depression like yes anxiety. these are these are great questions and we you know coming from a psychiatric background you know this is something that we would deal with in the clinical setting um the some of the easier ways to address the stress you know this is where i go to the supplements um, because a lot of times when people are stressed, it's causing an increased activity in the brain in very specific regions, like your basal ganglia, or it could be your anterior cingulate. It just depends because every brain is unique, but, um, two supplements that can, well, actually there's many, um, 
Omega-3 fatty acid supplements are very helpful for people who have any kind of mood issue, anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, one to two grams. So you can get a vegan source or you can you know, get a normal omega-3 fatty acid. Those are very helpful. Number two, the supplement GABA. So GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain. It will help to calm down the excessive firing of the neurons in your brain. So taking a capsule or two of GABA, 500 milligrams of GABA, you know, two times either at night, if you're having trouble sleeping can be really helpful. I like GABA because it doesn't have many contraindications. So you can take it with other things. Um, you know, there are also things like magnesium, uh, a magnesium powder. There's one called Calm that works really well. You can do a little teaspoon of magnesium powder. Magnesium calms the neurons down, so it prevents them from firing. So I, I like supplements because a lot of times if I'm going to go to, you know, try to meditate, there's sometimes people just can't quiet their minds down. And a supplement approach is a really easy strategy because it has minimal side effects. Um, there's valerian, there's passion flower extract. Um, so there's many, I I'd say, you know, a nutraceutical option can be very helpful. And yeah. the last question I really want to ask here, because this question I ask to all my guests who come on my show, Oh, okay. it's a single line of question. Like what type <laughs> of legacies you want to leave behind? Like if there's only one thing, people can remember you in future, what, you, uh, what that one thing would be. Thank you. This is a really amazing question. To think about caring for the health of their brain and enlighten them and to make them more conscious about the choices that they're making um, in terms of taking care of the health of their brain, because most people don't realize it's easier to take care of their brain than they thought. So if I were to leave somebody, I just want to empower people to think about the organ that takes care of them, right? That controls their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions, that stores their precious memory. So, you know, that, that would be my legacy. And I, I will tell you, I think um, because of my father, I feel very committed to um, helping veterans and helping firefighters. Um, and as you saw in the book, I've worked with professional athletes who play in collision-based sports and I see the kind of damage that's happening to their brain. So yeah. to anybody who is playing a collision-based sport, I would really love to have you starting uh, you know, a brain health protocol with the healthy foods, all of these approaches we talked about today that will reap dividends for your sort of long-term brain health and happiness. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh. Uh, is there any way like I, I can support you or your work? Like I'm definitely going to share your website, your book, but is there anything I can do specifically for you? Oh, that is more than enough. You have been so gracious. It is truly my honor and pleasure to be here with you, speaking with you. You are a beautiful soul. You care so much. You have an inquisitive mind. What a, what a lovely opportunity to be able to connect with you and your audience. And your audience, I'm so excited because 
honestly, I wish I had known these things when I was young, when I was in my 20s. And, you know, you guys are our future. You know, I'm, I'm 20 years older than you. So, you know, we're looking to you guys to help, you know, make the next greatest discoveries. And, you know, I want your brains to be as sharp as possible. So, so thank you. Thank you for the honor of being here. Thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. And I'm here if you have any other questions. Oh, thank you so much. Really, like really appreciate for you giving us your time. Like, thank you so much. And I know you're going to touch base with me in a few months and tell me every morning you have water yes. and now you're <laughs> sleeping seven hours a night yes, soundly and, you know, you're taking a little bit of GABA and, oh, now you're taking your vegan EPA, DHA every day and you're feeling a little bit better. Definitely. All of those things matter. Definitely. Let's come. Uh, definitely. I'm going to share that in future, like in a couple Please. of months. I, I, love, I love hearing how people's lives change by doing some of the simple habits. I mean, I've seen extraordinary transformations and yeah. which I talked about in the book, mm -hmm. but you can start small or you can go big, right? If you want bigger transformation, we can image your brain and we've got technologies. One last thing for your students, those who struggle with anxiety, um, a wonderful non-medication way to help calm the networks in the brain, the anxiety networks is called neurofeedback. So I'm just going to leave that little note. Um, it's non-invasive. The sessions typically cost between $100 to $150, but it's a non-invasive way for you to help um, mm -hmm. calm your brain down. It's, it's like going to the gym for your brain. <laughs> it's really pretty cool. Yeah. So if you are struggling and the nutraceutical approach isn't working and you know, you're trying meditation and exercise, all of that can help, you know, an Epsom salt baths, you know, a good bath or getting into the water or listening to the sounds of water, certain sounds that can be calming to the brain, explore neurofeedback. So amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kristen. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I look forward to hearing from you soon.